thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Hallelujah. I'm going to read from that very book, beginning in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. I want you to follow along with me. In Matthew 7, 7, the Bible says, Keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and the door is open to everyone who knocks. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, Life is Better When the Father is Home. Pray with me. God, thank you for being our Father. Thank you for loving us as your dear children. Thank you for allowing us to come into this place together and worship you and praise you and fellowship together. God, I pray now as we look to your word that you would be our teacher by your spirit. Father, I pray that you would anoint me to say the things only that you would have me to say. God, let me say things, God, that would honor you today. Happy Father's Day to you, sir. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Please glorify yourself in us, through us, and by us in this time. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Life is better when the Father is home. To all the men in the room, if you haven't heard it yet, happy Father's Day. Let me, let me start with the men in the room today. We had Mother's Day a while back. We talked a lot about women. Let me, let me say something to men. And listen, men understand land the plane, right? I don't have to tell you a nine-and-a-half-hour story to say I saw a pair of red shoes at the mall, right? Y'all need me to go through the whole thing? Y'all need, me, y'all need me to remind the woman what frustrates you more than anything? Baby, you ain't going to believe what happened today. You want to be a good husband? So you say, what happened today? Do you know what the man wants to know right then and there? What happened today? Is that coming around anytime soon? Make a ham sandwich. That's my best advice to you. Because, well, I was getting ready to go to work. And uh, I, I realized the cat was out of milk, so I went and I filled up the cat bowl. Have you, have you seen the cat? The, I don't know. The cat's been staying home lately this week. I think the cat's been slipping over to the neighbor's house. What is wrong with that cat? How long we had that cat? And the man's only got one thing in his head. One thing. What happened today? So anyway, and, and you know, a, a, a good husband who wants to say, baby, land the plane. Come on, baby. What happened today? Well, you know, I love my cat. But anyway, so, you know, I got the milk done, and, and, and then I went to go get dressed, and I, I, tried, I tried on several different things. You know how it is when you gain weight. I just don't know what's going on, my shape and my, my clothes, and the, I think the dry cleaner's just shrinking them. I don't know. They just my, I, and Man's got one thing in his mind. What's the man thinking? And then there's a story about getting dressed, and there's a story about, you know, the kitchen, and there's a story about the bedroom, the bathroom, the living room, the upstairs room, the downstairs room, the lanai, the foyer, the foyer, the front yard, the backyard, the neighbor's yard, across the pond, and the drive-in, the wreck they saw, the ambulance they saw, the fire truck, the, light, the, the wrecks they didn't see, the ambulances that they didn't see, the fire trucks they didn't see, the wet road, the dry road, the man on the side of the road, the woman sitting, the boy standing, the school bus singing, and the man's got one thing in his mind. What is it? What happened today? And he's just trying forever to get her to get to what happened today. And by the time she tells that hour and a half story, and she's like, it's just been a day. And then he says, 
what happened today? And she's like, what, you weren't listening? <laughs> See, it don't take all that time for me to tell the men what I'm going to tell the men today. Listen, here's what I've got for you today, men. On Father's Day 2016, I need you to understand this. God wants you to be a good man. You don't need a, a, a degree in Bible to know what a good man is. You don't need to go to seminary to learn how to do the right thing. Be a good man. Love your family. Be a man of character. Be a man of Holy Ghost conviction. Live upright. Live a, a moral life. Be a role model for all the world to see. Be somebody that your parents could be proud of. Be somebody that kids could look to and say, I want to be a man like that man. God created us. Listen, men, we are the apex predator. We are the highest member of the food chain. There is nothing better than a man on this planet. God created us to dominate and have dominion. He put leadership in us. He put authority in us. He told us to go out and kill the dragon, to climb the mountain, to, to, to be mountain climbing, dragon slayers, big boss men. And I want you to be the best man you could be. It is past time out for sissified men in church. Men need to be real men. Hey, if you don't love sports, read up on something. Have something to say at the barbershop. Know something about something. Listen, be a real man. America is lacking in real men. You don't have to be soft to come to church. You just know how, have to know how to direct your strength and your energy. That's what it means to be meek. I've told you many times, meek is an equestrian term. The word meek is not, people see these soft, sissy dudes, and they're like, oh, brother so-and-so, he's just so meek. He's just so humble. No, he's soft and pansified. You can't be meek if you're a sissy. Meek is an equestrian term. It's talking about a horse. The word meek, the Greeks had picture. it was a picturesque language, and they would use words that painted pictures, and when they saw that big, rippling stallion horse, muscled up, rumpus, large, shoulders out, they, they would say, that horse is meek. Why? Because it's a picture of incredible strength under control. God didn't ask you to lose your manhood when you came to Christ. He just said learn how to control it. All right, I'm going to keep moving because I don't, I don't want to be accused of not learn, knowing how to land the plane. But you need to be a real man. Say real. Not like what America sunk to this week. I told the deacon and deacon wives in our prayer meeting this morning in my office before we had church just an hour ago, America found a new way to stoop to a lower low with some wackadoo in Oregon, anybody from Oregon? Anybody cheer for Oregon? Anybody been to Oregon? Oh, hallelujah. White people. I'm not racist. That three people raised their hand. They were all white. How can I miss that? In Oregon, some grown man has decided to sue the state of Oregon. Not for any real purpose at all, but because he didn't want to check male or female on his driver's license application. He didn't want to check male or female because he lived for 40 years in a, in a man's body feeling like something else. So he started the change process and grew himself some breasts hormonally and then realized 
I don't want no knife scalpel cutting off stuff I've had my whole life, so I ain't ready for this whole action here to transition. So he said, I don't feel like a man, I don't feel like a woman. So he sued the state of Oregon and won to now change all their federal forms to add male, female, and third gender. And he has become, Jamie Shoup has become the first non-binary, first third gender human being in the United States. Now let me tell you what's going to happen. The people are going to follow. The LGBTQRSVWXYZ committee <laughs> stepped up and said it's time that people of all backgrounds be recognized. And they said, and we're not going to demand, like, like, couple, I mean, listen, they want to tell you 10% of America's gay. Listen, I know a lot of people. Listen, if 10% of y'all are gay, we're in trouble. I'm talking about even you down low folk. If 10% of y'all are gay, listen, honestly, I believe it's closer to 2 to 3% if we want to be realistic. We're bowing down to a couple of, listen, Muslims make up less than 1% of this nation. We're bowing down to them. Homosexuals make up less than 3% at the highest level. And, and they said, we're not going to demand the 50. They, they referenced Facebook in this lawsuit. Facebook has 50 different gender identifiers on the bio page. You can choose male, female, bisexual, bicurious, cross-sexual, non-sexual, androgynous, adronian. You, I mean, Male, top, female. I mean, it just got a 50 different boxes you can click on. And they said, we don't need 50 boxes on federal applications, but it's about time we got a third box. Listen, men, if you have a child in your home, you better let them know you don't care what they identify with or what they think about their personality. God started them one way, and they're going to finish that way, or you're going to get them some mental help. <laughs> Be a real man. I told my kids, I'm going to love you till the end, except for a couple of things. I ain't God. My love is conditional even for my sons. And I already told them, a couple of things you do and you're out. Just bottom line. You don't have to know what they all are, but everything we've been talking about right now gets you smooth out the wheel. Gone. What was your name again? Hey, I do not. You th- oh, he he wouldn't be that that rude and uncivilized if 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 he loved anybody of a different sexual identity. Listen, stop pandering to folk. Stop calling wrong right. God, uh, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. God knows what He's doing. You're born a man, be a man. It's so funny to me. Even inside that, even inside that twisted bunch of messed up folk, they still know one's supposed to be the man and one's supposed to be the woman. Two dudes, one of them twitching, the other one acting hard. What in the world? I, I thought you didn't need a man. Why one of you got to act like a man? You don't need a woman. Why one of you acting? Two chicks. One of them got makeup on. The other one got a little short black comb in her pocket. Oh, you a woman? What you gonna do with that man's comb? carrying a wallet in your back pocket why do one of them have to take on the identity of a woman and one of them have to take on the identity of a man because even in that jammed up community they still know that it takes a man and a woman to be a couple I wish everybody could say amen listen 
If you got mama and daddy that went gay, brother, sister, cousin, children, listen, you can still love them. I love everybody. I told my kids I love them. I just won't leave them no money. <laughs> I understand that we live in a world where people are making different choices, but that does not mean that the church has to validate it. That doesn't mean we have to sign off on it. That doesn't mean we have to stamp it as right. I'm not going to rubber stamp evil as right. Well, you're just old and dinosaur. They're going to put you in jail. All the good preachers went to jail. Jesus got arrested. Dr. King got Everybody got arrested. I mean, I've been arrested, not as a Christian, but I mean, I'm halfway there. <laughs> be a real man. Be a dude. I mean, be, be, be solid in your manhood. That's what the world needs to see. The world needs to see men being men. We're going to see in a minute what the absence of a man will do. To a family, I, the title of the message, Life is Better When the Father's Home, most if not all family experts will agree wholeheartedly with the title because life is better when there's a father in the home. The statistics support this claim overwhelmingly, and I'm just talking about in our own country because that's where we have the most solid statistics. But let me just throw some of these numbers at you. I know everybody's not a numbers person, so I hit them quick. But 63% of all youth suicides are from fatherless homes. You, you, you think that, that, the, the, that the villainous, her, horrific, great blight on America, the, the, the sin, the original sin of this country, you think they didn't know what they were doing by taking the man out of the home to destroy a whole, a whole society of people? You think they didn't know? Listen to what happens when you don't have a man in the home. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorderly, disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 70% of all juveniles in, in, juveniles opera, in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. You know what they're saying? You go down to juvie, 7 out of 10 of those kids that are on lockdown don't have a dad in the home. Well, well, why can't mom keep me straight? Listen, I was raised by a single mother working. My, my mom, by the, by the time I got up to teenage years, she told me 17,000 times what to do right. She, it was all she could do to work, come home, and keep a roof over our head. Fathers in the home make a difference. 85% of all men 18 and 19 years old, adults sitting in prison, come from fatherless homes. What's this mean? Children from fatherless homes are, listen, five times more likely to commit suicide, seven times more likely to become teenage mothers. Kids from fatherless homes are 24 times more likely to run away, 15 times more likely to have behavioral disorders, six times more likely to end up in a state-operated institution, seven times more likely to drop out of school without graduating even from high school, which ought to be your minimum, and 15 times more likely to end up in prison as a teenager. This is not good. Is this good? Do like this. So I know you're alive. This is not good, but this is a result of what happens when fathers are taken out of homes. Consider this list of men. Let me, let me give you a who's who. Let me give you a fatherless uh, hall of fame. A list of men who grew up without fathers in their life. Saddam Hussein, Jack the Ripper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Sirhan Sirhan, Lee Harvey Oswald, 
Charles Manson, Adolf Hitler, John Wilkes Booth, and a ton of other famous, infamous names that we know, that we learned in this country, men that grew up without fathers. Let me tell you something, sir. If you are a father and you're considering leaving your home, get your mind together and stay with your children. Raise your children. Anybody can make a baby, but it takes a man to raise a child. Raise your children. You, you need to raise. Listen, if she took them away from you, I tell the men in this church all the time, you don't stop being a father just because she took them away from you. You, you. you call them every week. You email them. You Well, they don't text me back. They block me. You mail them old school snail mail letters. You stay in their life some kind of way no matter how hard everybody tries to push you out of their life. You don't let them for one day ever believe that my father quit fathering me just because mom and dad went crazy. Is anybody following what I'm saying right now? This is just the real world we live in. This is what it's come to in America. God's original design was to have a mother and a father living in the home together. But life didn't turn out that way for a lot of us. I, I didn't turn out that way for me. I was raised in a home without a father. My parents got divorced when I was young. I told you I was raised mostly by a single mother with different stepfathers. She worked outside the home, and I found myself on the wrong side of many of the statistics I just read. I ran away from home. I had behavioral disorders. Uh, I was in and out of jail. Uh, it was only by God's grace that I graduated high school and went on to get multiple degrees. But it's, it's, it's only because I found the Lord, more specifically God found me. How many of y'all know that no matter how far gone we are, no matter how jacked up a person can be, God can still save them, heal them, deliver them, and put them on the right track to becoming who he created them to be? Now, I've experienced firsthand the difficulty of not having a father in my home, and, and, and many of those difficulties have lingering results even in my own life, but I also know the joy that comes from having my heavenly father live inside my home. I, I know the peace that comes from having a heavenly father even when there is no natural father in the house. So let me say something to you. If you're a child, you don't have daddy in the home. If, if, if you're a mom raising kids as a single mother, listen, if the man is not there, make sure that God is there. God can still turn it around. God can still make sure that your children succeed. Their dreams can still come true if God lives in your house, even if you had family has a mother and a father living in it we still need God in our homes life's better when the father is at home the natural father but more importantly the heavenly father let's look at our text this morning as we consider how great God our father is in Matthew 7 7 Jesus was preaching the sermon on the mount Matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 record the sermon on the mount and Jesus said in verse 7 keep on asking and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. I want you to notice the exact verbiage in this verse. I tell you all the time that the words are important. The Word of God is a specific book and all the words are there on purpose. There's not one extra word that, that shouldn't be there and there's not one missing word that should be there. And that's why we need to slow our reading down and pay attention to what the book says. It says, Keep on asking, keep on looking, keep on knocking. See, some people have asked, but they didn't keep on asking. Some people looked, but they didn't keep on looking. Some people knocked and said nobody's home. Listen, the life of the believer is a life of endurance. 
The life of the believer is a life of consistency. It's a life of diligence. Verse 8 says, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. Look at that verbiage again. The word doesn't say everyone who has asked, receives. It said everyone who asks. Ask is a present tense verb. It's something that you got to be doing right now. Tomorrow, what you ask for today is no more good. you got to be asking then. It's got to be a present tense. See, so many people have already asked for stuff. They didn't get it, and they gave up. They looked for stuff. It didn't come their way, and they gave up. They knocked on doors that didn't swing wide for them, so they gave up. But the Bible says keep on asking. Keep on knocking. If you haven't got there yet, keep on keeping on because God says it's the one asking, not the one who asked. Too many people living off yesterday's faith. I meet so many people, they want to tell me, Pastor, I used to do this. I used to do that. I, I went to Bible college. I used to pastor. I used to deacon. I used to teach. I used to preach. I used to lead. It's not about what you used to do. This is a today religion. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. This is a right now religion, and we need to be the ones who are asking so we can have everything the word says that we can have don't give up on what you've ever everything you ever asked God for you ought to still be asking God for I, if we be honest right now there are people in this room that have unsaved children backslidden children wayward children that you've prayed before that God would save them deliver them heal them get their minds right you've prayed that in the past but you're not praying it as much now as you used to why life you just figured, well, I already prayed it, and it ain't happened yet. The Bible commands us to keep asking. If you don't hear nothing I've got to say to you today, I want to tell you, keep asking. Keep praying for what you've been praying for. Don't think that I prayed for it is good enough. The one who gets it, the one who receives it, is the one who is present tense asking for it. Now let's get to the part of the text that deals more specifically with fathering. In verse 9 of Matthew 7, he says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? That's a rhetorical question. Obviously, the answer is no, you wouldn't do that to your own child. Verse 10 says, if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. Then listen to verse 11. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So the meaning here should be clear. We're human beings with faults, flaws, and issues, and even we know how to give good things to our kids when they ask us for them. If we know how to give something good to our children, how much more would a perfect, all-controlling, all-powerful, possessing everything, all-able God be willing to give good things to his kids who ask for them? My kids have already learned. They've been in church since the day they were born. We started this church the, the year my oldest son was born. And so they've heard their whole life that not to be guilty of not asking. Now, I've taught them that so I can't get too mad at them, but sometimes that wears on my nerves. I hear, honest to God, truth. I hear almost every day, Dad, can we go to Disney World? Almost, almost every day, if not every day, every week. About time to go back to Disney World, isn't it, Dad? Can we go to Disney World? Hey, Dad, can we stay home from school today and, 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 and take a personal day? Well, you're 12 years old. What kind of personal business you got? Life stressing you out. Got your wig all bent. You know, Ray Ray Pookie and them hunting you down. You got something to do at 3 o'clock in the schoolyard. What? A personal day. But, hey, well, the, Dad, you said if we ask. Listen, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Don't get to heaven and find out God had a whole storage shed of stuff for you that you never asked for. That ain't going to be me. 
I'm going to be one of them over-askers. I'll be there and God will be like, boy, I'm glad you're here because you've been asking me out. <laughs> you said ask. Listen, if you had to classify yourself right now, don't do it out loud, but if you had to classify yourself, think about it in your mind. Are you more guilty of being an over-asker or an under-asker? I'm making up words as I go. You can't, everybody can't do that on the fly because that could get you in trouble right there, making up over-asker, under-asker. You might just, I'll, we'll have to see how that turns out on tape. <laughs> but where would you be? Have, have you been asking for more than you've been getting? Or have you just decided, oh, well, I guess it just ain't in the cards for me. It's just my lot in life, Reverend. Some people get stuff. Some of us got to be the grinder. Where did you learn that? If God is your father, I guarantee you this. I don't know much about this dude offending everybody, but if, if, if Donald Trump, I do know he's rich. If he was my daddy, I would not be asking for, for no, you know, used hand-me-down nothing. I grew up off used hand-me-downs. We grew up poor. Well, we weren't poor. My parents just spent their money on other stuff than me and Dina, but that's a different story. Hey, trust when it came time to apply for college money, they said, your parents make too much money. I'm like, what? Uh, different story, different time. Come back tonight. We'll talk about it. But if my daddy was like Donald Trump, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, he'd come to me on my 16th birthday talking about, here you go, son. It's a 15-year-old car. It's only got 175,000 miles on it. Most of the gears work in it, and all, three or the four windows roll down. Like, pfft, you kidding, right? I know, I know. That, that's for, it's a joke, right? We're going to light that on fire and, and watch it blow up. Where is my, where is my Bentley? Where is my Lambo? Where, where, where is my Shelby Mustang GT? I, give me something. I, I would be asking, listen, if you know that God is your father, you shouldn't be asking for small stuff. Because listen to what he said. He said he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He said, I'm going to give you more than you asked for, and I can do more for you than you can think. Listen, don't be on the under-asker side. Get on the over-asker side and see more stuff come your way. We, we've got to understand that if we can give our kids good stuff, God is better than us. He's bigger than us. He's more able than us. He can give us good stuff too. I don't want you to live a life of lack. I don't want you to live a life of not having because you just decided that, well, you know, God blesses other folk, but he don't bless me. He heals other folk, but he don't heal me. He, listen, that is foolishness, and you weren't taught that in the Bible. Look at somebody and say, ask. And I want to tell you these three good things to God, about God I've been trying to get to that he wants to give to his kids. But before that, I got two questions I want, I want to answer. Number one, who God's kids are and how we can become one of them. Because a lot of people have a false assumption that, all human beings are God's children. Well, we're all God's children by creation. You look on social media, listen to people, go out and talk to people about God. Everybody thinks they're a, a child of God just based on creation. Or I've had people, because everywhere I go, I ask people, are you born again? Are, are, are you saved? And then I get all these different responses. Oh, Pastor, I've been in church my whole life. Well, I didn't say nothing about where, the church. Church, you, you don't, going to church won't make you a Christian anymore than sitting in a garage will make you a car. You, that, that's not what it's, well, oh, I asked somebody, are you born again? Oh, my, my daddy helped build, my daddy with Chief Mason laid the cornerstone on the first bloody de ba building on the downtown resurrection. What? 
I'd ask you not, oh, my grandmother's nephew, niece, sister, auntie on my third cousin's side was a prophetess back in the 30s. Are you saved? Somebody, you ask somebody if they're born again and they say any of those foolish things. If they say, I'm trying, I hope so, I go to church at so-and-so's church, none of that. That's that just an indicator. They don't really know what real salvation is. I've asked people if, if they say, oh, I'm a child of God. I'm born in America. What? We're the most immoral group of people. Do you realize America leads the world in violent crime? America leads the world in abortion? America leads the world in rape and a thousand other things that we don't want to brag about? And take Do me a favor, son. Walk back down that aisle and come all the way back around so you don't walk in front of everybody. Hallelujah. You're not a child of God because you grew up in America. Don't worry, he's mine. You say, he just told, he called that child out in front of the whole 200 people in this room. He called that child out. That better not have shocked you as much as it shocked me that he walked across the front of this church, been living in my house all 12 years of his life. Let me get my mind right. What was I talking about? Everybody ain't a child of God. Many people have a false assumption, though. They think they're a child of God. Listen to what the Bible says, because it's not about what the preacher says. It's not about what we believe. It's about what God's Word says. In John 8, 42, Jesus said, If God were your father, you would love me, because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Now, when he said, If God were your father, do you read well enough with comprehension to understand that he's telling those people, God ain't your daddy? He said, if God was your father, if somebody looks at you and says, if you wasn't ignorant, you've been insulted. He said, if God, God ain't everybody's father. In John 8, 44, Jesus told that same group of people, for you are children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. Well, Pastor, we're supposed to love everybody. Yes, we are, but we're not supposed to accept everybody. We're not supposed to accept everything. We're not supposed to put our rubber stamp of approval on things that God doesn't approve of, and everybody is not a child of God. Some people, listen, are children of the devil. They ain't hard to find because there ain't but two crowds. There ain't, ain't but two ways to go this thing. God is your father. The devil's your father. There's only two people. There's good and bad, up and down, darkness and, and, and light. In John 8, 47, Jesus said, anyone whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. <laughs> well, there's your, there's your proof text right there. Anyone whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. I wonder if people who hate church, who hate coming to listen to people talk about God's word, I wonder if they fit into this anywhere. I wonder if people who feel like I don't have to go listen to somebody talk about God and preach the Bible to me, I wonder where, where, where their mind is at. I know what God says because Jesus said anybody whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. And he said, since you don't, it proves you aren't God's children. Go and find somebody that don't like preaching. Just let them know, your father's the devil. Should I really say that? Probably not. You might get punched, throat punched. You never know. But just know that it's the truth. And the truth's the truth anyhow. I don't care how tolerant America gets. I don't care how politically correct you want to swing. The truth's going to stay the truth. Our religion is always going to be old school. Well, times have changed. And the people have evolved. And, you know, we're progressive. 
No, no, God doesn't change. The Word's not going to evolve, and we're never going to progress beyond this book. This book, God said, will last forever. He said heaven and earth's going to pass away, but His Word will abide forever. The sun is going to blow up one day, but the Word will never change. In John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way. Not a way, the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We're talking about some everybody not being God's child. If you didn't come to God through Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ of the Bible, the Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, a sinless life, died on a cruel Roman cross on a hill called Calvary, and three days later defeated death by raising himself from the dead, then your father is the devil, heaven is not your home, and you got no relationship with God. I'm tired of hearing people talking about being spiritual but not religious. I'm tired of hearing people say that all roads lead to heaven. I'm tired of hearing people say, but what about good Muslims? What about good Jewish people? What about good people that ain't been born again? What about good people who volunteer as candy stripers at the hospital and work with, with, with handicapped children? What, won't God make a place for them? We don't have to ask these silly questions. All those questions are designed by the devil to distract you from the truth. The truth has already been plainly spoken by Jesus Christ and he said no one stop making up all these examples well what about the what what about the the Shinto Bubab Himblu tribe in Mubop Swanaputapinda and what that never had no missionary come to them what, what's God going what does the word say no one stop trying to make up well what if I live a good life and, and do the best I can won't God let me in even though I never chose his son Jesus no one this politically correct, tolerant society, all these lost people want to bash Christians on the Internet saying, y'all supposed to accept everybody. No, we are not. That is not taught. Y'all supposed to be tolerant and inclusive. No, we are not. That is nowhere taught in the Bible or by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the most narrow-minded human being that ever lived. He had no broad-mindedness. He made no exception. He gave no quarter to anybody ever. He had his way, and he said, if you don't come my way, you don't come at all. It's my world, and I'm making the rules in it. That's what he said. So... People with this false assumption that they can get to God, that everybody's a child of God, that Jesus plainly said that is not the truth. You say, well, Pastor, if everybody's not a child of God, then, then, then how do we become a child of God? Well, one thing, if you call yourself a child of God, but you violate any of these things in these verses I just read, if you try to come to God without Jesus, you're not a child of God. If, if you enjoy doing evil, you're not a child of God. If you don't love Jesus, you're not a child of God. If you don't gladly listen to the word of God, you're not a child of God. This is not my opinion. This is black and white writing in the scripture. This is what the truth is. But how do we get to that place where we can get off the bad side and get onto the good side? John Gospel chapter 1 verse 10 says, But although the world was made through him, talking about Jesus, the world didn't recognize him when he came. Even in, even in his own land among his own people. He was not accepted. The Jews turned their back on him. He came as a Jew preaching to Jews to save Jewish people. He created human life and all that there is, and they didn't accept him. Verse 12 says, but, and here's some good news, to all, say all, to all who believe him and accepted him, 
He gave the right to become children of God. You want God to become your father? You want to be a child of the living and the true God? It tells you in verse 12 exactly what you have to do. And this is good news for everybody and anybody. Nobody has to be left out but to all who two things, believed him and accepted him. You got to believe him, you got to accept him. I'm not talking about a head knowledge belief. That word in the Greek is deeper than that. It's not just saying, well, I mean, I believe Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. I don't know. That could be a lie. I believe George Washington was the first president of the United States. I don't know. That could have been a lie, too. Somebody else might have been the president for a few minutes. They overwrote the books. You know the history books ain't real anyway. They say what they want to say. They write them how they want to write them to, to twist our minds and try to control us. But I believe on a different level in Jesus. I'm not willing just to believe him like I believe in George Washington. That word believe in the Greek means to trust in, believe in, rely on, cling to him and him alone to be your savior. Do you have that type of hookup with Jesus? Do you trust him and him alone to be your savior? Have you accepted him? Now, when the word says accepted him, it's not just saying, yeah, I take him. No, it's saying I accept who he says he is. He says he's Lord, boss, and master of everything. He's the agenda setter. He's the one in control. He's the one who expects submission. He's the one who expects us to do what he tells us to do. He told a whole crowd of people, they're like, we're following you. He said, no, you're not. Why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? It'd be like your child standing there shaking his fist at you, telling you, you you can't tell him what to do. But you're my daddy and I respect you. What? No, you're not accepting my authority. If you believe in Jesus, you accept his authority, then God will give you the right to become his child. So we see that becoming God's child, we got to believe in Jesus. we got to accept Jesus as the Lord of our lives so God can become our father. All through the Bible, the father is the central figure. The father is the central figure. But the devil wants to mess everybody's theology up, so church denominations focus on different things. In most evangelical denominations, they focus on Jesus. They focus on Jesus as the Savior, Jesus as the healer, Jesus as the deliverer. Why? Because Jesus is pictured in the Bible as a big brother who's a joint heir with us. Your big brother come and bail you out of a fight and beat up people for you. But when you both go home to your father, your father beat both of you whether you won or lost because you shouldn't have been out in the street fighting. See, it's easier to accept Jesus than it is to accept the father. And churches like to talk about Jesus, but Jesus said, I came to show you the father. When his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, he didn't say, when you pray, say, dear Jesus. He said, when you pray, say, our father. So you got denominations out there calling God mother. God is not a mother. God is not a person like we think of a person, but if we're going to relate to God in any gender, whether male, female, or third option, God has listed himself as Father. And Jesus came to bring us to the Father. So you got this one crowd in churches always pushing Jesus. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I love Jesus. You got to have Jesus to get to God. You got this other crowd in churches pushing the Holy Ghost. Ain't nothing wrong with the Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Ghost. He lives inside of us. He empowers us, enables us to do all that God called us to do. But the Holy Spirit, only job, he said, was to show us Christ. Christ said his job was to show us the Father. So who are we trying to find as Christians? We're trying to find the Father. 
we got to have a relationship with the Father. So why do churches focus on the Holy Ghost and Jesus all the time? Because people don't like the authority. People don't like governance. People don't like discipline. But the root word of disciple is discipline. So everybody's not a child of God. The only way to be a child of God is to believe in Jesus and to accept him. Now let me get to these three things. I'm going to get you out early. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Here in this passage of Scripture, God is talking to the people of Rome in the first century, and they're all worried about what are we allowed to eat, what are we allowed to drink. It ain't changed nothing in 2,000 years. What kind of music can we listen to? What kind of movies can we go to? How much drinking can we do? Uh, none of that. And, and God tells them, listen, it's not about those outward things. It's not about, that's, that's not what the kingdom of God is all about. Here's what the kingdom of God is all about. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Those three things, righteousness, peace, and joy. You need to get that in your mind today. What is God's kingdom about? Righteousness, peace, and joy. What does God, our Father, want us to have? Righteousness, peace, and joy. We have kids that want different stuff. Ask us for random stuff. Listen, the dad knows what he wants to give his children. He wants to give them righteousness, peace, and joy. Think about these things. Number one, righteousness. It's the power to live right. You realize you can't get it together without God? If you could stop drinking on your own, you'd already stop drinking. If you could stop whoring around, you'd already stopped it. If people could get their mind together, with that's the problem with people who try to nag lost folk about sin. I've never told some drunk, what you need to do is stop drinking. Get your mind right and come to God. That's not how that works, y'all. Well, many people said it this way. You got to catch the fish before you can clean them. People trying to clean up people's actions without getting to their inside. No, it's only the power of God in us that gives us the ability to live right. It's not about, well, if you quit drinking, smoking, and, 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 and spending all day on porn, maybe God would accept you. That's not how it works. You accept God, and he will give you the pa- Pastor, as soon as, as, soon as I, as soon as I feel I can put this pipe down, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord. That's not how it works. You give your heart to the Lord, he gives you the power to live right. This is good news, church. We, we got to understand that if we ever truly yield to God, not just believing in him, but accepting his authority in our life, he will give us the power to live right. He will give us the power to do better. He will give us the power to change. Trying to get people changed. Listen, stop nagging your husband church women. Stop nagging your wife, church men. Stop nagging your, your kids and, and, and your, your friends, church men. Don't address the issue, the, the, the symptoms. That, that, that's not what it is. You better, you better stop staying out later. You're going to die and go to hell. Nobody ever died and went to hell for staying out late. Well, if you don't stop running around with them bad people, you're going to wind up in hell. Nobody ever went to hell for hanging out with bad people. If you don't put them cigarettes down, you're going to die. That, none of that will send a person to hell. you got to get saved. And when a person gets saved, then God gives them a gift of righteousness, the ability to live right. Do you know that there are some people in this room that have accepted Jesus as Savior but are not accepting him as Lord of their life, and that's why they can't read their Bible every day? Well, I'm saved, Pastor, but I just don't, I don't know. I just can't seem to, because you're not accepting the authority that Jesus says he has over you. 
Listen, in the military, you, you, when, when they tell you to get up, you get up. Like, well, first sergeant, I just don't feel like I can get up today. <laughs> We're going to help you with that, son. <laughs> We're going to help you with that. You, don't, you just don't do it. If you want to stay in the military, you do what you're told. Listen, if you would just start accepting the authority that Christ claims over your life, it's not about if you feel like coming to church. He said go to church. It's not about if you feel like reading your Bible. He said read your Bible. It's not about if you can afford to tithe. He said pay the tithe. It's not about whether or not you can be loving and kind and decent to people. He said to be loving, kind, and decent to people. These things you may not be able to do on your own. That's no big deal. He gives us gifts. He gives us internal righteousness, which is the power to live right. Not only righteousness, but number two, peace. He gives us the power to be at peace with ourselves and others. In the Old Testament, there was a, a title of a ruler. The title was Pharaoh. And there were different pharaohs in Egypt that enslaved God's people. And the Bible talks about the pharaoh in the land that did evil to God's people. There was always a new Pharaoh, and he was always putting God's people in slavery. He was always doing bad stuff to God's people. We don't have Pharaohs anymore, but metaphorically, there are still Pharaohs in the land, in this land in 2016. There's still things that are enslaving God's people. There's different attacks that the enemy has had, and he'll always dial it up to get the attention of the people he's trying to get the attention of. Listen, sex, drugs, and rock and roll wouldn't have worked on grandma, great-grandmama and them's crowd. I know some of y'all grandmama freaky, so I had to say great-grandmama. <laughs> that wouldn't have worked on people bef born before 1900. They wasn't going to be out there getting wild. They weren't going to get turned up. They didn't have to worry about being at the club. That wasn't them. So he couldn't use that on them. But there came a generation around in the 50s and the 60s, the sex, drug, and rock and roll made a whole lot of sense to them. And they decided, you know what? That, that, they probably got a brand new bag. This is my thing. And they, 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 they became gripped. Why? Pharaoh enslaved them with a new trick. Well, when that, that started to wear off, population started changing, culture started changing, then, listen, there are people living in the 20s, Red, yellow, black, white, green, brown, and purple, where nobody going to wear their pants below the round in their butt. Listen, do you know how ignorant you look? Standing there holding your stuff way down here. You're wearing shorts, and the hem's on your shoe, and the crotch is way down here. That don't make you tough. Because I can tell any one of my sons to hit you and run. You can't run with them drawers on. You bet may step out of them, but now look at you. That, that sagging thing, that would not have worked on people in the 50s. No way. They didn't leave the house without a belt on. That just wouldn't have worked. See, the devil knows how to work every different generation of people and let me tell you how he's working this generation sure there's still sex drugs rock and roll sure weirdos are still sagging sure people still you know doing the whole goth vampire crazy foolish stuff uh 
you know, I don't care about piercing and, 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 and well, do what you want to do. But listen, you know, if, if you got 79 piercings on you, uh, you, you probably got at least one too many. Can we agree on that? I have 84, and I think they're nice. Well, get some mental health. Let me keep, let me, let me keep going. The, the, all that stuff is still going on, but the big pharaoh in the land today, the big enslavement, the big trick on God's people is in the mental attack. Every couple of months, as soon as some pharmacy. Listen, do you know most of the drugs people are hooked on right now were not even developed for the purpose they're taking them for? Well, we were trying to invent a pill to uh, make horses uh, more fertile. But we found out that if sad people take them, it gives them a boost of energy. So now we come off with Prozac. And most of these drugs that people are taking were, were, were veterinary at best or for a different purpose at worst. But what's going on? Every time some pharmacy comes out with a new chemical that can hit your brain a different way, they make up a new disease and they throw a commercial at you. Are you sad? Do you feel a loss of energy? I'm 52 years old, 50 pounds overweight. What do you think? My wife died over a decade ago, left me with two small children. What do you think? They ain't going to tell me the truth. Get more sleep. Lose that fat. Get some exercise, you get more energy. Are you sad? <laughs> Have you experienced a loss of energy? Are you incontinent? Do your bowels not flush right? Do you have frequency of urination? I mean, what? they're just going to come at you every kind of way and just make stuff up. Do you feel awkward in social engagements? <laughs> Do you realize if you would have tried to tell your mother you my age and older. I'm 50. I'm about to be 53 years old. You'd have tried to tell your mom, mm, I'm not going to go to school today because I have social biplexity mingolar disorder. And I just can't, I just can't conjunctivate around other people. What? You better get your butt up and go to school. It's just made up stuff. Just for pharmacies can sell you drugs. Why? Because the devil wants to distract us and wants to steal the peace in our mind. Jesus said he's a thief from the beginning. So we need to understand the big attack. And I'm not saying people don't listen. Please don't email me. I understand people have issues. But drugs are not always the answer. And some of these issues are just made up by the devil. And you pray them away better than you can medicate them away. But they're all designed to keep people's mind at unrest. They're all designed to mess up our heads. They're all designed to keep us jammed up. Because here's what I know for sure. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been living a long time. I've been pastoring a long time. I've been preaching a long time. I've been counseling people a long time. I really believe that what the average person needs more than anything else, three good days. Three good days. Three good days where they get good sleep, where they eat good food, and where nobody bothers them. What if you had, isn't that right, Jason? If you just, with no crazy person messing with you. 
What if nobody cuts you off in traffic? What if nobody, what if your boss just didn't act like a fool all the time? What if you could just go three days and just have peace? That changed the whole world. Well, I got bad news for you. Your boss ain't going to get right. People ain't going to stop cutting you off on 103rd Street or Blanding or anywhere in North Florida. And life is going to be tough. And the devil is going to try to make your mind upset at everything. Fear, anxiety, nervousness, depression, all these different things. Suicide, all these different things. What are they a result of? No peace. God said this is what his kingdom is about. Not just righteousness, not just giving us the power to live right, but giving us the power to have peace in our mind. Well, when I get my right mind right, Pastor, I'm going to give my heart to God. That's not how it happens, church. You give your heart to God, he'll get your mind right. See, the old church, you, you used to let people know he's a mind regulator. He's a battle axe. He's a shelter. See, we understand these things. People have been around for a minute, but we got to keep in our mind that he is able to get my mind right. He is my peace, even in a time of a storm. He's my peace, even in a time of a no storm. Righteousness and peace. God has a gift he wants to give his children. God is the best father ever. He is the heavenly father, and he wants to give you the ability to live right. He wants to give you peace in your mind. Listen, not only so you can be at peace with other people. You wonder why you're always conflicting, why you're always struggling, why life's always hard, why trouble always finds you. Listen, you're operating too much on you. you got to let God take over. Let God take over. He'll let you have peace with other people. The Bible says when your ways please the Lord, he'll make even your enemies to be at rest with you. That doesn't mean you're not going to have enemies and there's not going to be conflict, but he'll give you the ability to be okay with it in your head. Peace with other people. Not just that, though, peace with yourself. Peace with yourself. You realize when Jesus told people how we're supposed to love each other, he said love other people as you love yourself. Well, we got half these people going around the world today hating herself, mutilating herself, cutting herself, killing herself, drinking herself to death, pilling herself to death. They don't even love themselves, right? Why? Because they have no peace in their mind. God wants to give you peace so you can be at peace with other people and so that you can be at peace with yourself. Third thing, he said joy, righteousness, peace, and joy. And the joy he's talking about is the power to have joy in the midst of a crazy world. See, peace is awesome. Peace will keep you from driving off the bridge. Peace will keep you from, you know, un- un- uncovering your concealed cover uh, or pull- pulling out your concealed. Peace will keep you from, from going off, off the deep end. But joy is beyond peace. Say beyond. Joy is beyond peace. And joy is beyond happiness. Happiness changes from day to day. Happiness is situational. Happiness goes up and down, but joy lasts on good days, bad days, happy days, and sad days. Joy is a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural gift that the Heavenly Father gives to His children to where we can not only endure things, but we can feel good about the process. If your honest estimation of you is, I'm just holding on till Jesus comes back, I'm tired of living in this sin sick world, I just can't take it no more, I just, you need to get some joy from God. And he's got it by the bucket full. And he wants to give it because he said that's what he's about. God has no shortage of righteousness. God has no shortage of peace. And God has no shortage of joy. Today, there are going to be people who give good gifts 
to their father. I broke down last night. I came home. In my door was a card from my oldest son, and it just it, it caught me off guard. I just wept. I just thought I wasn't expecting that to be stuck in the door. I, I didn't know that I was, I was coming home today. It was an awesome gift. Kids are going to give gifts to their father today. Hopefully, you will too. But I want you to know that God, as your father, wants to give good things to you. Now, if you have a father, if your father is alive, you ought to honor him. The Bible says honor your mother and father is the first commandment with promise. God says your life will go good if you honor mom and daddy. Don't be disrespectful to your father. Well, what if he's not a Christian? Ain't got nothing to do with it. What if he's not a good man? Nothing to do with it. It doesn't mean he might be the load. My, 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 my biological father was, was not a Christian, and many, many times in his life he wasn't even a good man. But it didn't change the fact that God commanded me to honor and respect him. And I, I wish he was alive today so I could tell him Happy Father's Day. See, we're, our love is conditional. And we, don't, we, we, we choose what parts of the Bible we want to embrace. Listen to me. Honor your father. You'll know where we're at. God, God didn't say based on where you're at. You need to honor your father. If he's alive, you need to call him. If he's passed on, you, 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 need, to, you need to think about him. You need to pray, 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 pray for yourself and for your family. We're going to have a service tonight. I want you to come back at 6 o'clock. We're going we're gonna to give tributes to fathers, living and dead. We, we're going we, to let people stand up and honor their father. I'd like for you to come. Make your children come. Make them stand up and say something good about their father. This is what the Bible tells us to do. You need to give something to your father on Father's Day. It's awesome that in a country that is recognizing third option, that they still give us a day called Father's Day. It's a Bible thing. It's not a holiday thing. It's a day-in, day-out thing. It's a commandment, the first commandment we promise. So I want you to come back tonight, and we're going to tribute to dads tonight at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a special service. You're all invited. But more than giving your father a gift, I want you to make sure that God is your father, your heavenly father. Have you received him? Have you accepted him? If you haven't, you don't have to walk this aisle, pray a prayer, shake my hand, do any of that stuff. All you got to do is call on his name. He said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to be saved today, if you're not sure about your salvation, all you got to do is pray. All you got to do is ask God to save you. And he said, if you ask him to, he'll do it. If you're not sure that God is your father, if you're ready to become a Christian, if you want to be the man, the woman God created you to be, all you got to do is bow your head and ask God to save you and to be your father, and he'll do it for you. And he'll give you righteousness. He'll give you the power to live right, to have peace, to have joy. If you are a child of God, let me ask you this. You call yourself saved. Is God welcome in your home? Or is there so much going on in your house that you don't let him come in? Can God watch what you watch? Can God hang out under your roof? So I believe it's really time. 
for those of us who name the name of Christ to get our hearts and our minds right and begin to honor our Heavenly Father more than we have. Because God told them in the Old Testament, if I am your father, where is my honor? If I am your father, where is my respect? You say I'm your father, but you're not doing what I say for you to do. He said that thousands of years ago in a land most of us couldn't find on a map. But if he was in this room today, couldn't he ask us those same questions? We say he's our father. We need to honor him. Men, you know the amount of respect you demand as a man, and you should. We're at the top of the food chain. You know what you expect your children to do when you say do it. And you should. Because God gave us authority over them. But he took authority over us. So on Father's Day, let me ask every man in the room. If you call God your father, are you honoring him and respecting him and obeying him? The way you expect others and even your own children to honor you? And respect you and obey you. We got to get this together church. We got to get this in place. We got to start getting more serious. About honoring our father. We can't just talk about honoring God and not do it. That's why people don't want to come to church. Because they hear that foolishness. They hear us say one thing and live a different thing. If you call God your father, I don't want you just to honor him on Father's Day. I want you to make it your lifestyle. To say, I don't just believe in him. I accept him as Lord in my life. I don't just believe in him. I ain't just one of them talk so Christians. I honor my father. I respect him. Jesus said, don't call me Lord if you can't do what I say. Let's start doing what he says. Let's start being better. We're not going to get perfect today, tomorrow, until we get to heaven. We're never going to be sinless. That's, that's, that's not in our grasp. But I do believe we can sin less. I think we can all do better. I think we can do better to honor our Heavenly Father. I think we can love Him more. I think we can do more spiritually. We can give Him more time. We can read more word. We can pray more. We can serve more. We can sacrifice more. Because one glad morning when this life is over, and you fly away to heaven, you're going to have to give an account to God for the way you lived. And then it's not going to be important who won the game tonight. Then it's not going to be important who drove the best car in your family. Then it's not going to be important all these things that we focus on. Because Jesus said, put God first and everything else will work out right. And I want you to know if we put God first, everything else will work out right. Let's pray. God, thank you for being our Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God, for loving your children enough to give us gifts. Help us, God, to give you gifts on this day, Father's Day. God, I thank you that I am not a child of the devil, but I'm a child of the King, the King of glory. Lord, strong and mighty. Thank you 
for purchasing my soul with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing us to be called your children. Help us, God, to do better. We want to make you proud. We want to honor you. You deserve more than we have given you. And we apologize. We repent. And we choose to do better. Happy Father's Day to you. Help us to be mindful of your involvement in our life every day, every hour, every minute. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. We do love you, and we choose you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.